Peter R. Bregan, M.D., is called the conscience of psychiatry for his many decades of successful reform efforts. His scientific and educational work provide the foundation for modern criticism of drugs and ECT and lead the way in promoting more caring and effective therapies. His books include Talking Back to Prozac, Toxic Psychiatry, Medication Madness, Psychiatric Drug Withdrawal, and now Guilt, Shame, and Anxiety, Understanding and Overcoming Negative Emotions. Welcome to the Dr. Peter Bregenauer. Well, welcome, my wonderful audience. As always, very, very good to see you. And uh, the, by the way, folks, the book is doing so good that the supply lines are clogged and it's uh, taking off on um, all of the, uh, the internet stores and the, uh, the largest provider of books in the world provides uh, to Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And they just told us they're having trouble keeping up with uh, the numbers of books being ordered. We just heard that in the last few days. So that's really a very wonderful idea, and we're very excited about it. And we are not directly selling the book anymore because uh, from our own website and our own printer because we got an astonishing 30,000 purchases before we put the book into print. And so we had to, we quickly went through the first 20,000 printing and now we're at another. We promise to get you the books as fast as we can. And we're working on it if you haven't gotten your book yet. Most people have. But we're recommending now that people just go um, online if they want to buy and buy the book new. I mean, you know, you're going to get it if you bought it already. But if you want to buy it new, just um, go online and get it from Amazon or one of the other bookstores and they'll get it to you faster. Uh, they they seem to be uh, getting into a good rhythm there. To get our guest today, whom you're looking at, is Robert E. Wright. Um, I don't know uh, Dr. Wright well. Um, we've just met some of the folks you know that I have on are they're like practically like family now. But this is a man that is very interesting and important in the work he's doing. He's a senior research fellow at the American Institute for Economic Research, which is a great organization with rather good writers and thoughtful people. And uh, you may recognize it as a AIR. Um, and it uh, AIER. Uh, and it uh, in capital letters. That's how most people recognize it. And um, Robert Wright is uh, written many books and with a lot of crossover between history and economics and finance. And I hope to take advantage of that remarkable combination. Um, and he's written for the Economic Review and many other books. Uh, uh, organizations like that. Um, He also has written a lot of books and edited a number of books, and I've asked him for one. We're going to make an exchange. The Best of Thomas Paine 2021 came out this year. It's a perfect year for The Best of Thomas Paine to come out. In fact, I advocate that people buy your book sight unseen because I've read Thomas Paine and I've talked to you and uh, you know I know you're going to make some good selections out of his large writing um, 
Thomas Paine helped inspire the revolution. Then for a time he lost his mind and tried to join the French Revolution and almost lost his head. So he's a complicated guy, Thomas Paine, and and a, a very, very amazing writer, an incredible writer. Um, Ginger got particularly interested in um, Dr. Wright's uh, writing because of an article, Has America's Third Civil War Begun? And in that, he, he says a lot of things. I mean, he starts out the question of whether a third American civil war has begun occurred to me after reading a recent New York Times piece. And then he goes goes on to talk about um, some interesting issues. A very interesting article. Has America's third civil war begun? I'm sure people can Google that under Robert E. Wright and find it. And he talks about what's going on in the country. And one of the things he says, I don't usually do this, by the way. I just found your writing really interesting and your points really interesting. He says, uh, talking about the civil conflict going on in, between two groups in this country right now, it, is, it, it increasingly appears now that one side wants to annihilate the other at any cost and that the sides are not drawn along strict party lines. And I think that rings really true for a lot of us. And he talks that the America's civil, civil, civil war, he makes a lot of pun on civil, civil war, seems to pit sheeple, S-H-E-E-P-L-E, -E -E, against people, the sheeple of the brainwashed, the brainwashed against those capable of independent thought. This is certainly my experience of what's going on. I'm sure the experience of many of you listening to the show. And um, he concludes near the conclusion um, that corporations should just hire some really fancy attorneys. I'm, I'm not exactly quoting now. And to uh, fight um, mandates, vaccine passports and, and other atrocities. Um, I ponder whether or not we are in a civil war, and that might be a good place to start with your latest article and maybe uh, tell folks about it and what your thinking is about all this. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, to, to clarify, because some people might be confused about third. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, go ahead. The first civil war was the American Revolution, which of course was civil in the sense that it was uh, within the British Empire, and um, uh, uh, also because you know it, it pitted neighbor against neighbor, um, and and that was the one that Paine, Thomas Paine, helped to initiate. Um, and by, by the way, um, Paine almost lost his head uh, in the French Revolution, as you pointed out, um, but it appears as though he, he lost his head in another sense later on when he advocated for a, a UBI um, or a, a universal basic um, income, um, which I found so troubling. I'm actually writing a book about UBI and its history right now to try to figure out why you know why pain uh, went down that down that path 
The second um, civil war is called the civil war in the north and other places in the country, they call it the war between the states um, or the war of Yankee aggression, if you get really far south and, and so forth. But uh, again, it's, it's a civil war in the sense of a uh, inner necine struggle um, rather than, um, you know, it, it being civil is in nice, is in non, non-shooting, right? Uh, and I, I think I summon um, forth the ghosts of an old um, Guns N' Roses uh, song where they, they say, uh, you know, how, how, how is civil war civil anyway? <laughs> um, and so the, the, the reason why I call, why I say we might be in a civil civil war now is it's civil and that it's neighbor against neighbor um, and civil in the sense of it being, at least at this point, relatively, relatively bloodless. Um, but it's a war, nevertheless, uh, especially if you buy the left's rhetoric that, um, you know, depriving someone of a livelihood is, is violence, is a way of, of killing them, um, because a lot of what's going on seems to be depriving people of their livelihood uh, through cancel culture, through these um, vaccine mandates that uh, don't make any sense scientifically. Um, and also, of course, the long uh, war that's been going on uh, against um, small small businesses. Um, we saw it with the non-essential businesses during lockdowns. Um, we're seeing another phase of it uh, with the um, talk about uh, the, the so-called tax gap, um, which they the the Democrats say uh, is mostly about um, the the uber wealthy. Um, but if you look at the actual studies, a lot of the supposed tax gap comes from self-employed people. Um, and these people are very dangerous for the, for the, uh, uh, the, the, the side that, you know, wants to have a more authoritarian government because they are, you know, they're, they're independent political forces. They can't be forced to take a vaccine. They can't be forced uh, to implement uh, various uh, woke ideologies um, in, in, in their businesses. And uh, so, th so they need to be eliminated, much like the Soviets uh, eliminated the Kulak uh, class in, in the 1920s. Yeah, it's, uh, I think clearly what's going on, <clears throat> and um, you didn't mention, but I'm sure you agree, in the same way and then for the same reasons, um, you know, they're trying to eliminate uh, the the Christian religion and the, particularly the churches and uh, the temples also and, and any community activities that they generate and the, the independence. Well, yeah. and I, I was shocked when they were, you know, closing down um, church services. Yeah, uh, absolutely shocking. Uh, I haven't seen anything. Correct me. Correct me if I've missed it. I haven't seen anything yet about taxing uh, churches, anything serious anyway. No, I haven't. Um, of course, that's been brought up in in the past, um, t taxing of all of all nonprofits um, because they're such a threat to uh, you know to the state. Yeah. Because they offer uh, you know a, an alternative, as as De Tocqueville um, described, writing a book about that uh, as well uh, called Liberty Lost. That uh, hopefully will be out early in 2022, and just kind of going over the the early history of nonprofits in the United States and how effective they were at uh, ameliorating a wide range of uh, social of social um, problems 
Um, but uh, the, the government doesn't want to hear that now because yeah. that, that you know detracts from its uh, from its power to the point that a lot of nonprofits today are actually funded by the government. It's a or largely funded by government. It's a it's a very strange uh, it's a very strange phenomenon in some in some ways, but in other ways it makes perfectly uh, good sense. Are those mainly the international ones that are going to have an impact on globalism and it's even even local, even smaller local ones, uh, you know, especially in um, the human the human services, mm-hmm. get a lot of their funding from uh, local, state, and and the federal the federal government. I hadn't thought about that. That sounds very important. It's part of taking it over by progressivism. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, in in the founding period, they would call it the power of the purse. Yeah, whoever yeah. supplying the money is going to have <clears throat> the control, which is why AIER is not at all coke uh, coke coke funded, um, despite <laughs> rumors to the contrary. Our money all comes from uh, an endowment uh, that was created in the 1930s, and then you know subsequent um, donations by uh, by individuals almost entirely. Yeah, well, I'm very glad to hear that. Um, <laughs> I want to put just on the back burner for later in the show, this book that you're writing, trying to understand why a freedom fighter like Thomas Paine would end up calling for a kind of a universal income. But I wanna, it's so important. I just didn't want to forget it. And it's going it's to be an interesting book that you're going to write because... Uh, even as recently as last night, I looked at Ginger, and and even though I've been a progressive in a sense, or I thought I was when I was young, I didn't really know much about it. Uh, why do so many of the the best and the brightest, uh, at least when they're young, get so caught up in this government creating? equality by force by taking money from one group giving it to another so it'd be good to look at those those idea fundamentally i think idealistic motivations in many of the people not necessarily in in the leaders um, another thing i thought of hypothesis about that i just don't have the funding to test it um i, I don't know how to do a randomized uh, you know randomized trial but but let's let's talk about it. Let's not put it on the back burner. Why? Why are what? What, what is your? What are your thoughts about why are so many uh, uh, young but idealistic people and then older people to join into the Marxist web ultimately? Um, well, I for for the, for the young people, just from anecdotal you know personal experience, but also uh, talking talking with colleagues and and whatnot, it's the government schools. Uh, right now, there's a big uproar in places in Virginia about teaching things like critical race theory. But even before that, this, the uh, government-run schools were thoroughly statist. They inculcate statism throughout. And it, I don't even think it's conscience, uh, conscious anymore. They just right. do it. They just um, do it. If you look at a history book, it is all about what the government does um, and, uh, you know, and, and, and they paint uh, the government in, in the best light uh, possible. Uh, words like capitalism get thrown around and it always impugns uh, the, the private sector and free markets 
but really the problem with capitalism is the, the joining together of um, corporations with government power. That's, that's what makes capitalism. It's not the free market part. That's the good part. That's the part yeah. why we have, you know, computers and Zoom and electricity and all that, all that stuff. Uh, and it's because schools do not teach economics. Um, and the few that do, that, the government schools don't, don't do it in a, in a very good way. But if you talk to, um, you know, uh, like college students who went through homeschooling or who went to a charter school, or to a private school, uh, they um, are much less likely to have that, that Marxist orientation. Uh, there's also something about being young. I'm sure you've heard the joke that uh, if you're 20 and you're a Marxist, uh, or if you're 20 and you're not a Marxist, you have no heart. No heart, yeah. If you're 30 and you're still a Marxist, you have no brain. Yeah. <laughs> Because presumably in that time, you you know, you go out and you get a job and you start paying taxes yeah. and you realize that. Um, yeah, I think that's a play off a Churchill remark um, about yeah. the young and the old. If yeah. You, if you're not, uh, you're not, not progressive or when you're young, you, you have no heart. And if you're not and a conservative when you're older, you have no brain. For, for the, on the older side, earlier this year, I wrote a, a piece about uh, what I call uh, gerontocracy. Um, just looking at the, you know, the very advanced age of uh, like Biden and, and Trump um, and, uh, you know, Pelosi, right? Uh, and, and just wondering what are the incentive structures for somebody that old, you know, wh what are they like? Um, there's some possibility that they're trying to, you know, help future generations, but really, you know, they have, they have such a, a short time horizon. Um, it would be most rational to try to help your family, not all of humanity, right? So maybe set your son up as an artist, you know, who mm -hmm. does goofy little paintings and get paid, paid $500,000 for each one, right? Um, so uh, you're, you're not, you <laughs> uh, so, I, I mean, I tongue-in-cheek uh, suggested that, um, you know, maybe we uh, should add to the Constitution not only a minimum age for president, but also a maximum uh, age, um, just because, uh, you know, it's not clear that, um, you, you know, the proper incentives are there, uh, because they know they're not going to be around that much longer. Yeah, that is interesting. Now I'm 85, so I'm in your, I'm in that yeah, class. Yeah. I'm in that class. I, I don't think um, you should be president, Peter. <laughs> and um, I definitely do not, uh, do not think I should try to take on being president. Now, I don't know that I ever had the uh, particular character to do that, but uh, no, you're much, you're much too honest. <laughs> yeah, that I found that up very early. Uh, being honest and uh, with my friends and all got me to be president of class quite often when I was young. But once I got to even the college level, that was not the qualities anybody was looking for. And, no, uh, good, good liar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I wanted to pick up on one of the things you were saying earlier, because I, I took a point that I haven't heard people say <clears throat> about this, um, you know, forcing people out of their jobs. I think that one of the most important motives that people don't realize is that 
when they get all the policemen to quit, that doesn't bother them because it's all the independent policemen or all the nurses to quit or all the teachers to quit. They're winnowing out the people you describe in here who aren't sheeple, the, you know, the people who are independent thinkers. So folks, what you're watching in front of your eyes when you see the uh, these people either quitting or being excluded you you're seeing the further transformation of what used to be more conservative certainly patriotic freedom-loving americans being swept out of the institutions where they used to be important whether in medicine in uh, the fire departments first responders the police the army it's being swept clean of uh, the kind of folks that watch this show and uh, that's a, that's another part of the disaster that's going on. Do you do you think we have much hope? I'm going to just go really freewheeling here from one thing to another. I think that's working well. Do you have any much hope for what's going on with America right now? <laughs> um, well, since the piece about the the Third Civil War came out, I've um, written a piece called Socialist Darwinism. Mm-hmm. where uh, not social Darwinism, right? social Darwinism. So, so just um, doing a little thought experiment about what, what if there are strong selective pressures or long selective pressures uh, for sheeple on one hand and uh, greedy people on uh, power hungry people on, on the other mm-hmm. people who, uh, and what if the, this, um, this middle group that we, represent this independent freedom loving group what if they their reproduction is suppressed um either through public policy or through outright eugenic policies right um what do we end up with and my conclusion was that we end up something uh, like hg wells the time traveler with the morlocks and the and the eloy and if you don't recall that in, in that story, um, the Morlocks uh, fed on the Eloy. The, the Eloy were like, um, literally like sheeple. They, they, yeah. they were happy, you know, they, they, they were essentially domesticated human beings. And uh, the Morlocks would, would literally feast, uh, feast upon them. Um, so, uh, and Wells was a socialist. So in his view, the Morlocks were the, were the laborers. Um, and the Eloys were the, the the elite, the descendants of the laborers of his time. Oh, I, yeah, that, I haven't read. I, that sounds interesting to read. Yeah, that's he, a he, very interesting twist. Yes, yeah. yes. So I, I think we could end up with that, where we end up with, you know, um, Cheeple are the descendants of the people today who just say, oh yeah, okay, give me the shot. Um, yeah. yeah, I'll wear four masks. Uh, you know that that sort of thing. Uh, and the and the and the rapacious uh, you know predators on on the other side, who um, are uh, you know taking every advantage that they that they can uh, to gain wealth and to and to gain power uh, over the sheeples, and then there's this middle group that uh, you know is 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 suffering, and I don't know how big that middle group is, you know the free thinking freedom loving uh, uh, group. Um, or how much selective pressure will be uh, put to put to bear on them? You know how how much their their reproduction will be will be tamped down by by policy. Um, 
and and so you know it's it's hard for me to say I'm optimistic or pessimistic because it's uh, you know it comes down to empirical issues I think that nobody really has a has a grasp on. <clears throat> well, in communist China, we we see a real direct total government effort to stamp out the independent thinker. Yeah. Um, you're uh, you're not uh, the you're supposed to be thinking about communist theory and nothing else in your head. You're not supposed to have any religious ideas in your head, and you can't. Wrong, right? They were. Yeah, you can't. Suppressed. And you can't rise up in the system unless you're a communist party member. And actually, surprisingly, small percentage of the population are communist. Members. I don't know if that's because they don't want to be or they're not allowed. I, I don't know. Do you have any idea about that? I, I think it's because they're they're not allowed. I mean, it's yeah. just it's their version of the one percent. Um, mm -hmm. Except uh, there, there's you know the the merit there is um, you know how well you are at uh, implementing the uh, the party line and party yeah. policy. And the other thing they do, but they create a. Uh, I've never made these connections before. They. <clears throat> they create a meritocracy in which you rise up to the top. Actually, you have to be intelligent to do it. You mm -hmm. rise up through this system, which uh, constantly demands of you conformity uh, so that you can go to the best university you want, so that you can try to get into the job track that you're going to get appointed to. Um, and what I've noticed in retrospect is when I think back to the students who did the best often in school at both my high school and Harvard and got really good grades. They were not necessarily the creative thinkers or the creative people at all. But many of them had learned very specifically to, to parrot back what teachers want. And, and so that's what they're doing in China. I'd never thought about that, but making it such a meritocracy, they're getting parrots. We, we do it here as well. <laughs> I was in higher oh, yeah. ed for 25 years and yeah, a, a, a students would get upset um, and say, oh, uh, Professor Wright, he won't tell us what he wants us to say. Yes. Mm. You know, on, on like uh, the, the end of semester of, of yeah, yeah. no matter how I try, some of them just could not get it through their heads that my goal was to turn them into more independent thinkers and, and researchers who could, when there's a crisis like this, would be able to think through, uh, <clears throat> you know, what they're what they're being told to told to do, uh, and not just, you know, accept it. Uh, yeah. And, and and to laugh out loud like I did when Tony Fauci says, when they attack me, they're attacking the science. Yeah. Well, how ridiculous is that? Yeah. He should have been ousted. Well, he, sh he should have lost his job 10 years ago, 15 years ago. But he, but immediately after saying that, he should have been kicked out. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yes. <sighs> jo John Kerry, in one of his speeches, who is, folks, he's the sort of the climate czar for, uh, um, for uh, Joe. And uh, he, uh, he said that... Uh, um, that God want us, wanted us to obey science in one of his speeches. It's the only time I've ever heard a globalist invoke God. And it was, again, this really bizarre 
So that made Carey, who of course is not a scientist, but somehow speaks for science as the as the uh, weather czar, the <laughs> uh, climate change czar, that he's somehow a scientist, which is definitely, definitely, definitely not. Um, that makes him, I guess, uh, uh, you know, like a saint or a uh, prophet. <laughs> Well, yeah, that, of this that, god of science god of the god of science yeah yeah and that that term saint was used with fauci right oh god yes yeah. saint fauci yeah. and yeah my book has a uh, bill of a whole chapter presenting a bill of particulars against fauci <laughs> and it comes right out of my work where i do that for law firms i'd say okay yeah let's look at this drug company and i give them a five ten page uh, the bill of particulars, maybe a 50 page uh, report, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe 50 citations. And in a sense, that's what I, that style is what I built the book around, but I did a, 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 a bill of particulars against Fauci, which is not very hard to do, but it's pretty bad stuff. One of the things that it would be so interesting to have people share a conversation with between the two of us is is there any free enterprise system? So let me give a little um, preface to that and see if you agree with generally what I'm saying and then what the problems are. When I was a really active uh, libertarian and reading the libertarian literature extensively and being almost almost ran for vice president on the part on one of the tickets for the party, I was really active. Um, the key always was voluntary exchange that you make people make voluntary exchanges. I want a car, you have some, uh, I, want, I want a car and, I, and you want some money, so I give you some money, you give me a car. Um, you know, you, uh, I, I'm, I, I'm cooking to get money from the, from the uh, uh, people who are coming to eat the food and so on. <clears throat> and um, one of the things that early dawned on me and was that first of all, it's a very hypothetical model because by almost any standard, no exchange is perfectly equal in power. And so I thought, well, that's a little bit of a problem for this theory. And when I raised that theory at a libertarian convention, I didn't get booed, I got, I got, uh, agonized <laughs> from the audience. But so I think that the model is ideal and but it's a problem because does it how much does it ever occur ex that way? But I understand the principle of it. Um, and the other idea that defines the, the free market in its er essence from a freedom libertarian viewpoint, another is that you only use force and self-defense. You never use force or fraud in your exchanges with other people. And I think that sort of captures the way modern libertarians have kind of defined all of those uh, things. And um, von Mises, who not too many have people have read, but I bet you have, is, you know, came up with the, with what fits with psychology so well is that by people being able, by there being prices for things, people express their subjective desires 
through what they're willing to pay. And I love that because that gets us back to the individual making subjective decisions and it ties in very nicely psychology. And right now, folks, I'm unraveling things I wrote about 30 years ago, but I think are very real. But what I've been seeing and what has been causing me somewhat of an identity issue and Ginger and I talk about is when I look at the global predators, which means to me, it's all the top corporations in the world, basically. I, I don't know one, I'd have to, you know, I'm sure there are some that aren't, but most of the big corporations go to the Mike Bloomberg conferences where they team up with China to fight against, uh, for example, Trump's uh, um, not wanting China to run roughshod over the world. They, they align with China. They, they get so much money from commerce in China. They admire totalitarianism. Um, they don't even talk about patriotism. They hate patriotism because it gets in the way of their global exchanges. They tend to want to make a global workforce. And the Cokes have actually said that they want no borders uh, so that we can have one workforce, which means, folks, that uh, you know, the working people of America would be in competition directly with the people from Honduras. Maybe the people from Honduras wouldn't want to come here anymore. <laughs> but that that is the leveling process. <clears throat> so I'm trying to think where does voluntary exchange work, where where companies are and using the government to force their advantages on the people, which of course is fascism. Where do we have something that looks like genuine free market in this world today. And most of the places I see it are disappearing. Um, I'm an independent physician. There's hardly any of us. Uh, so I'm in the free market as an independent psychotherapist, psychiatrist, physician. Um, there are small store owners that I think fit that category. And many of them really have ethics. They're not trying to defraud their customers, they're trying to do an honest product, especially if they're in a small community and where they're going to be known. But as soon as you get to the level of a board of directors even, and I haven't thought this through, and then I want to hear uh, 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 Robert Wright's response. Um, once you get to the level of board of directors and uh, CEOs, uh, they're, they're power mad. When, when I looked into the pharmaceutical industry, starting really deeply in the 1990s, I was the, I was the um, single scientific F expert in 1992-34 for all the combined Prozac suits. I was empowered by a federal court to be the one to go in and look at the interior documents of Eli Lilly and to... Um, represent that science in the legal cases. And what I found was not a single, not, no interest whatsoever. Uh, and I've documented it. Uh, they've never debated me about it. No interest whatsoever in anything but the profit motive and power motive. Um, no interest at all in uh, the safety of the people getting the drugs. When the bad adverse effect would come up like suicide from Prozac, They'd hold a committee meeting how to deal with it, not to investigate. And then the FDA would meet with them too early in the morning for reporters to see them, to figure out with the FDA how they could avoid these accusations, many of which were coming largely from me and 
my books like Talking Back to Prozac, with gin, written with Ginger. So I want to sit back and hear you who've thought about these things uh, probably even more than me, and, and certainly, you know, you live more in this world. What what do you say about what? where is free enterprise? Where does this exist? Yeah, well, I mean, we, we could easily talk about this for 10 hours. Um, <laughs> we're not going to, uh, at least well, not today. Well, but maybe well I'll tell you, we, we have... Um, we haven't <laughs> until about the 12 minutes after two, which gives okay. us about um, 20 minutes. You're you're absolutely right that the, there is um, much smaller scope uh, for free enterprise today than there was 100 years ago or especially 200 uh, years ago. Um, we can still walk away, though, right? So if um, you, you said that some sometimes... Um, you know, one party to a transaction has a lot more power than the other party. Um, and, you know, I don't know if you mean political power or if you mean um, every kind of power. market market power. Well, all the um, ways we influence each other. Yes, it's it's still if 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 a deal doesn't make sense to you. Right. If they want twenty one thousand dollars for that car and you only think it's worth nineteen thousand, you can still walk away. Right. So there's there's still um, you know some aspects. Well, I, well, I don't agree with that because I mean the, no? the no, I mean the manufacturers set prices among themselves. Uh, uh, there's not a huge difference. Competition is crushed. It comes in, wants to sell a cheaper car, try it. Come in and criticize the drugs so people can get it. Try it. No, I don't think that. I I I I think that's. Uh, I think that's idealistic. I mean, because they're also working with the government. There's no one forcing you to 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 buy to buy a new car, right? You can uh, arrange your life in ways where you don't need a car. Uh, you can buy a used car instead of that particular uh, new new car. So there there's still there's still an aspect where um, you know you have uh, you you. You're not being forced to to buy the car. And to I think it's dollars for it. It's a very but fine point. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Things are things are very constrained. It's very constrained in housing as well. Uh, I wrote a book about the the housing market. Um, came out about uh, 15 years ago now, called uh, "Broken Buildings, Busted Budgets." Uh, that talks about why we have so many problems in the custom uh, construction. Uh, industry, why projects come in uh, either over budget or past time or under a contract uh, spec. Um, so yeah, there are lots of problems. There's lots of problems in corporate governance, which is why I've written several books about uh, corporate governance as, um, as well. Uh, but we still, uh, at least in this country, have um, you know this notion of mutually beneficial exchange. One or either party can walk can can walk away from uh, from the deal. There are constraints on the deals, though, because we have so much uh, so much regulation um, these um, these days, and uh, corporations and government are clearly these large corporations and government are clearly in cahoots on a lot of matters, including in the pharmaceutical uh, industry. Um, I like to look at macro incentives or the big incentives that we have. And uh, have written a, um, books like Fubarnomics, where I talk about um, how say, we say that again. Say that. Uh, I've written. A, uh, I wrote a book. Uber. Fubarnomics. So um, you better spell it. Uh, F U B 
A-R-nomics. Okay. And it's, it's short for the acronym FUBAR, which in polite company means fouled up beyond all recognition. Okay. Though the GIs who came up with the acronym during World War II had a different, a different idea for it, yes. You, you, got, you got the idea, yeah. Um, so uh, we basically don't have uh, um, a health care system in this country. We have a sick care, right? It, it's, it's geared towards uh, a sickness um, and trying to alleviate symptoms rather than uh, preventing uh, disease in the in the first place. So I ask, well, what what would a what would a, a real healthcare system look like? And uh, I came up with the notion that we should have uh, life insurance policies and health insurance policies linked, so that um, the the issuer of the policy has an incentive to keep you not just alive but to keep you well. Um, and uh, it could be, uh, you know, these policies could be issued by mutuals. Um, in other words, corporations that are owned by the policyholders, like mutual life insurance companies, rather than have uh, this outside group of stockholders who are constantly demanding, uh, you know, profits, profits, profits. Um, and uh, so, I mean, that's. Uh, uh, I've brought that up to a number of people and I've never heard of anything like that before. No, it's very interesting. It's very, very interesting. Yeah, but nothing nothing ever comes of it because it's the people who would know how to implement that, it's not in their interest to do so. That's right. I mean, I know for, for a fact that within the pharmaceutical industry, um, the idea of developing a cure for a disease is ridiculed because you make much more money if they have to take your drug forever. Right. And there isn't a single psychiatric drug that doesn't do anything but make people in the long run sicker. I've really demonstrated that scientifically in medical textbooks I've written and in scientific articles. Um, so, well, I'm, I, you know, I, I think the principle, the walkaway principle which I haven't thought about enough, is a very interesting principle. But increasingly, of course, it's becoming impossible in an organized society to walk away from these monopolies. Um, many people would love to just walk away from Amazon. Even that's hard because they provide certain incentives to you of a cheaper, faster product. Um, that make it harder to compete, but how do they get the cheaper, faster product? They have agreements with the post office department. They've bought senators and congressmen to protect them. So it gets very dicey now. Yeah. Um, well, as a consumer, I am uh, more than happy to buy the the cheapest from the cheapest source, right? So, um, while uh, you know part of uh, Amazon's um, lower costs might come from uh, sweet sweetheart deals, uh, we, we call it or, um, you know corporate rent seeking or corporate welfare. Uh, the bulk of it um, seems to come from uh, efficiencies of scale. But and you see, Amazon is also a part of that whole tech group that purposefully went after Trump to destroy him. Yep. 
So, I mean, this is what I, I, I just think that this issue is so uh, uh, painfully uh, difficult to be uh, direct and honest about. Because, I mean, you, I, I keep a little crib sheet here, you know, where I can, I want to look down the, the tech companies and uh, they pretty much, you know, they're all uh, working with China. They're all uh, in an international interlocking relationships. It's... Um, but you, you see, uh, I mean, this is even going to air on a, on a new platform, right? Um, the, the fact that they have gone to these lengths has created demand for uh, other, you know, that, that other providers are, are trying to, to supply. Um, uh, you might have heard this past week that there was a deal between Rumble uh, and um, locals uh, to create essentially a parallel internet. Uh, that would no, I didn't. That's very, very interesting. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I'm, you know, that's one of the things I advocate whenever I give a talk. At the end of the talk, I talk about building our own institutions. For example, yes. Ginger and I self-published this book. That is, Ginger is the publisher. I haven't seen any uh, money yet myself. The publisher's not <laughs> passed it down yet. But... Um, and uh, I'm uh, I'm a regular guest on uh, at one o'clock every first and third Monday. I, I haven't mentioned this on air, on um, Mike, um, the Pillow Man's new TV oh, station. Right. Yep. So I'm I'm uh, very happy to be there. I've I've been on even more than every other Monday the, on there, and I really believe in building and supporting these alternative institutions. Trump's got some kind of new thing coming yeah. out too. Yeah, I don't know what that that's uh, that's about. Um, but the problem is that nonetheless, these tech companies ganged up and helped steal the election from Trump. So yeah. we're talking about a level of power that I don't think you can just walk away from. We're struggling to get away from it. Um, I mean, as soon as... Uh, the drug companies got the power to advertise on TV. I went from a person who was on Oprah five or six, seven times on Larry King. I was telling you earlier before the show, Larry King live, um, every single news show at one time around 2026. Didn't matter what it was. I was on those shows talking about the hazards of psychiatric drugs, electroshock, sometimes lobotomy. But as soon as the drug companies got in, 1994. Uh, by then, I was I, I was censored out, and um, so I, I just I just I just think we need some other way um, to think about. It. I think maybe one of the ideas um, is that if you can really maybe hang on to a democratic republic this kind of thing wouldn't happen. So that if you could actually have a republic that wasn't bought, that actually represented the people, a lot of this would not be there. Right? Right. I, I think that, that's... That's why I've been um, arguing for sortition or litocracy, where instead of having elections, we have selections like in ancient Greece. Um, so that you <laughs> tell have, me about that. Well, you, you have a pool of, of, of candidates who are, who are qualified, which, you know, would be where a lot of the fighting would take place. But but once you have that that qualification pool, 
which it would be some combination of age and education and certain types of experience and, and whatnot. Um, you randomly draw the leader from that pool. I've randomly. Yes, randomly. And, and I've uh, argued this for, um, for SCOTUS uh, justices, especially if there, there's an attempt to enlarge the court. Um, because why do the, 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 does the party in power get to put those, those new justice, you know, the nominations for those new justices uh, in? It's a, That's a very interesting. conflict yeah. of interest. Um, and uh, the, the Swiss were seriously um, considering uh, this for their Supreme Court justices as a, you know, random, random pool. I su I've suggested it for um, uh, CEOs and boardrooms as well. Um, because uh, it, it, and you have to announce the, the policy before you do it uh, and make it credible so that people who might want to be a CEO will get the, um, you know, the education and the experience necessary mm -hmm. in order to be in the pool. Um, so once you change those expectations, because right now the expectation for, for like women, uh, for example, is that they're not going to become CEO. So why bother trying to achieve those uh, credentials, right? The, the homophily right. is too, too strong. But if, if they have a random chance, you know, in a drawing that would, I mean, how many, how many people are going to be up for CEO of a, of a corporation, you know, 25 or 50 or whatever, you know, it's not that many. Um, then why not take a shot and get those qualifications and go in the pool and maybe you'll, maybe you'll get lucky and get, and get pulled. And if not from that one, then, you know, the, uh, from, from a similar, from a similar one. Um, so I think that's the, that's the fair way to handle any, um, you know, diversity mm -hmm. uh, issues is, is just to, is just to randomize it and change people's uh, expectations about the probability of their, uh, you know, their successfully getting out of board of directors and, and so forth. But nobody wants to hear it, right? <laughs> because it doesn't fit into the uh, ideological struggles uh, of the of the left or, or, or right. It's like they don't want solutions. They want talking points. They want reasons to get people to 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 go to the to go to the polls to vote for one side mm -hmm. or, or the other instead of actually trying to fix. Well, I the, think one of the interesting things about talking with you um, is that that we do have an agreement and which you've thought much more about than me that the that capitalism I, I that's marx's term isn't it capitalism yes. let's call it uh, what do you like free enterprise free market market economy it really depends what you're talking about i think there there is a brief disruption in transmission occurred and now we will continue to uh you know to to advertise um, even though a lot of them are selling, uh, you know, the, the, the equivalent of poisons, right? They're, it's actually much more dangerous than tobacco. Um, yes. Yes. So, uh, but yet they, you know, they, they get to put those ads out. Not to mention that the reason I didn't go to medical school is because uh, I suffer um, from something like um, hypo, uh, hypochondriasm. Would that be the term for it? Um, where if I study a disease, I start yeah, to- You get it. Well, that happens it. to, you know, that's a, it's an axiom. It happens to all medical students. I've had uh, COVID uh, like 19 times. <laughs> <laughs> had COVID, you know, like 19 times. Just, just and and they still want you to get vaccinated. Yeah. You've yeah, yeah that well, 19 that, times. I trust we don't have to talk about that. You've, you've nailed that.
that part down, right? The the silliness of oh, the book, uh, our book and our work. Yeah, we're on the cutting edge of the critics of everything that's going on in COVID. You're going to be blown away when you get the book. Really, it it just examines everything from the structure of how the whole thing was invented to the question of did the Chinese intentionally release it? And certainly they intentionally spread it. And why did they do it then? And the reason was that Trump was threatening globalism. And that uh, they had to get rid of Trump. They had to ruin his presidency. Um, is that on your side or mine? I just heard this. Oh, yeah. Sorry, it was uh, an email yeah. that, that popped up. Yep. That's OK. Uh, we, we're live folks, people. and. Uh, <laughs> There's all these dinging noises. I, I get barking dogs a lot on my side. Um, we're getting toward the end. Um, what? Uh, how about it? Just in a, in a minute, maybe, maybe two at the most. Sum up what you'd like to say at the end now to this audience, to me. <sighs> yeah. It's gone, time has gone fast, especially for such intellectual, hard-thinking time. It's gone very fast. It, it has, yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 I can always say just, just keep thinking for yourself. Uh, look at as many different sources of disparate uh, viewpoints and information that you can, and uh, think about uh, you know all these very important issues of political economy and public health uh, through uh, your your own understanding of the of the world. Be be rational. Uh, don't just listen to what talking heads say, including this talking head, but <laughs> uh, but but especially the ones that you see on on the um, you know on the legacy uh, on, on legacy media. Uh, their interests and your interests uh, are probably not aligned very very closely. So um, you know right. listen to what they have to say but uh, but but don't don't treat it as gospel. And the name of your book about Thomas Paine and where people can get it, it's a brand new book. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think we just called it The Best of uh, Thomas Paine. It's part of the Best of series from uh, AIER, the American Institute for Economic Research. You can get it directly from our website or uh, via <coughs> Amazon. Um, or, uh... <laughs> All right, folks. And uh, uh, as for uh, COVID-19 and the Global Predators, it's best to get it right now from the big bookstores like Amazon. You'll get it faster that way. You'll pay a little bit more money than you would getting it for us. But we have had so many tens of thousands of book orders. God, I've never said that before. We've had 30,000 book orders. And so we're just answering those now. We are not going to be selling uh, but later we'll get around. We'll be back and we'll be underselling at big stores. But right now you can get it quick and efficiently from the big stores. Robert Wright, it's been very, very interesting, very, very stimulating to me, to my thinking, and I hope to others as well. Thank you so much for being on the Dr. Peter Bregan Hour. And as always, folks, thank you for taking seriously such serious conversations. Thanks, Peter. Thank you. Thank you.